and boom goes the Episode 56 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Jeff, we better make this quick. I have a bake sale to get back to. Okay. <laughs> a bake sale? You didn't? Oh, well, we'll get to that. Let's, uh... <laughs> yeah, did I miss let's... something? Did I miss a oh, joke? Oh, I always you missed something. I always miss the joke. Oh, I can't wait to get you really mad on this podcast. Hell yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, that that, that is extre- yeah, that that goes extremely well every time. I can't wait to get you mad on this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. You know, <laughs> I was just sitting here uh thinking about doing the podcast before you uh you called me to start the podcast and I was like, "Man, I hope I can really piss Jeff off and you have given me a golden opportunity brought down from the rafters. Darby Allen came down from the top of a church and gave it to me." Um, and I will take it. I will run with it. And I, I'm I'm very excited. Um, really quick, though, before we talk about this, I, I just want to talk about a thing that I'm doing uh, in addition to this podcast. Something I started to do on my Twitch stream today is watch Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge. Have you seen this? I, I've heard about it. I've you, never actually have, have watched this? it. Have you, I've seen this. Have you heard about this? <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't slip back into into Ben Shapiro. Please. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? That's Jay Leno. Oh God. It's anyways, and that's what they want. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do a Ben Shapiro. Um, no, Steve Austin's <laughs> fucking <Skull>. Aquaman, Ben. <laughs> God, that's so good. Every time I see H Bomber like that bit come up, I just I I stop, I watch it, and I laugh. It's so good. It is. It is really good. Shout out H Bomber guy. H Bomber rocks. What a good dude. But okay, so. I started watching Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge, and it's basically um, MAGA XC. It's Most Extreme MAGA Elimination Challenge. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the best way I can put it, and it rules. It's so good. It's just a bunch of, like, testosterone-out dipshits, but also a bunch of ladies, too. And uh, they're just all, like, super alpha, like, CrossFit people and MMA fighters and shit. And they're just doing these physical challenges while Steve Austin yells at them. It's wonderful. Okay. I can't believe I didn't watch it uh, uh, when it was out because it's so fun. Well, you know, everybody needs a hobby, right? I mean, here's the thing, though. If you're, like, working out or doing, like, CrossFit or, like, physical stuff and Steve Austin was next to you yelling at you, I feel like there's no task you couldn't complete. Like, he, t- <laughs> he was, like, yelling at this dude. He's like, get up that damn hill, will you? And I'm thinking, I would get my ass up that fucking hill if Steve Austin's screaming at me to get up the hill. There's no way I'm not getting it. I'd run through a brick fucking wall. I'd run through a pane of glass to make the pane of glass shattering sound to start his entrance music. 
You know, that was the, you know, that it, despite WrestleMania 13 being hot garbage, uh, that match rules and, and that, that, that entrance has a lot to do with it. Yeah, we were discussing that match on the stream today. The match is fantastic. It's one of Bret Hart's better matches. Oh, too. yeah, it's it's possibly the greatest WWF match of all time. Possibly. It may be, but I, I still think the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man is ahead of it. Well, That's just... I, well, I it, love that match. Well, for me, it's either that one. It's either you know the the the, the Bret Hart and Austin match from WrestleMania 13, or of course WrestleMania three, uh, Rick Steamboat and Randy Savage. Yeah, but what about the uh, the dog kennel match between Boss Man and Al Snow? Um, no. Well, what about the real? What about the Inferno match? <laughs> I love. I'll be real. I thought the Inferno match rocked. I know. I mean, I watched it again as an adult. It's dumb as shit. But when you were a kid, like I was, you gotta understand, I was a small child when that came out, right? And I was, I was, I was a small young lad when Kane like came on the scene. And I'll be real with you, Jeff. I was fucking terrified of Kane. Kane scared the shit out of me. Okay, well, you know what? But by, by the time that Inferno match had come around, I had already seen uh, the the match in FMW where uh, I think it was Onita and I think it was oh God, I can't remember who it was. Maybe Tiger Jeet Singh, but like the the, the ring actually caught. You know, they the, they set the ring on fire and it oh almost ended badly. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, hey, we might see Darby Allen do it. He was setting himself on fire. Uh, in a vignette, we'll get to the Darby Allen vignette, but people were on fire. It was like a Ramstein concert. You know, what? I missed that. Oh, you oh, you missed the Darby Allen vignette. I, I it must, must have been while I was uh, taking my dogs out. Briefly. All right, that, yeah, it was it was right before the main event. So let's get oh, to that. Yeah, then it was. So, yeah, then I missed it. So I thought it was so, doing a commercial. So so do the do the do the cool segue and uh, let's talk about wrestling. Okay, did you watch Dark this week? I didn't. Uh, I was streaming other shit. And I, just I, never I, got I am just going to quit asking if you watch Dark then. No, keep <laughs> asking me because it, it inspires me. And one day I'll say yes and I'll shock the world. <laughs> okay, well, with that, let's go live. These are important. To Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, for episode 56 of AEW Dynamite. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. And we cut right into a match between your AEW World Tag Team Champions, Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, against, uh, hold on, I gotta get their names here, uh, Darius and Dante Martin, uh, 21 and 19 AKA years young, a.k.a. Top, top Flight. Um, my first question is, I gotta know more about these masks that they well, were wearing in the in the footage. You've you've seen them wrestle live in Chicago, haven't you? I don't think I, I don't know Darius I is a, dude, Darius is Airwolf. Oh shit! Okay, yes, I guess I have then. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the mask. That's, 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 that's the mask. That's okay, the airwolf mask. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, you've seen I didn't, these I guys didn't put, before. I didn't put two and two together then. Yeah, okay, then I have seen fun. them. Um, you have. But I did also catch the, uh, the 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 Black Lives Matter armbands around their very cool arms. So that that was Specs. all good. Um, I thought that this match slapped, and I <laughs> thought Top Flight <laughs> yeah. had everything to do with that. These boys can go. These young fellas can wrestle. Holy shit. Oh, my yeah, God. What a, a really strong debut on national television. Uh, they and the Young Bucks had very good chemistry. Uh, you look, It looked like guys who had been wrestling each other for years, and you know that's not possible because the last time the Bucks worked an indie match, one of these guys wasn't even 18 yet. Right. So, 
but and they know their, their chemistry was great yeah uh this was a top flight show this was their match despite not getting the victory this was designed for them to get the rub against the young bucks the bucks did a very serviceable job making them look good and we got the result we expected but uh nothing nothing but up here man just in tremendously high ceiling for top flight there, there, there were some there was some offense in this match that um yeah that was a okay. lot of people say what, what was innovative or creative and a lot of time i don't think it is because i've seen it somewhere else uh there was some innovative and creative offense in this match what really stood out to you specifically oh geez you know i don't know if i can point one particular thing out i think it was just the whole the whole package i think, I think I, it was dante's gigantic tope that oh. that Big tope over the top rope. You know what? I, I, you know the what? The full I, extension in that late turn is just beautiful. The rotation on it looked great. You know what got me? I actually, I, 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 I lie. There was one thing that got me when they were doing the uh, the spot where um, I think it was Nick was trying to you know double German suplex, and one of them I don't remember I I don't remember which one um, jumped you know did this high leap over leapfrog over both his brother and nick jackson i was yeah, like yeah, holy there's a couple shit. of really good leapfrogs these dudes got ups they are incredibly athletic and just have really great ring sense and a really great sense for a big moment for how young they are uh <laughs> this is an already stacked division that we talk about quite a lot it's a deep division with a lot of different tag teams you can feature and you have to get these guys out there right away like they, you have to keep giving them more matches on wednesday nights uh and with higher profile tag teams uh, i mean you know where do you go from wrestling the tag champs in your debut but i think uh there's a lot of stuff you can do with these guys here um, as noted, of course, the, the young bucks went with the BTE trigger and then, uh, the hybrid two attack top flight out of the blue, which was interesting. So, and this, you know, gets right to the point, right? Uh, another tag team that we've wanted to see featured more on Wednesday nights, who we talk about a lot being really talented. Uh, I've been watching Lucha underground again and, you know, both these guys are featured in it and just reminded of how good they are. Matter of fact, the last Lucha underground that I watched, uh, featured that one where, on Helico jumped off the top of uh, Dario Cueto's office and did that giant like uh, missile dropkick. Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. It's one of the nuttiest fucking things I've ever seen. It's wild, like it's one of the scary, like because they don't you don't see him in the frame and he just comes flying in from out of frame and just blows this dude's chest up. I can't even remember who he was wrestling now, but it was awesome. Oh, I think with one of the. Uh, one of the goons, one of uh, Ezekiel Jackson's goons, mm, okay. big Rick's guys. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't B Boy, but it was either Ricky Reyes or the other guy. I, I do remember the. I don't remember who it was against, but I do remember the drop kick. Yeah, it was, it was one of those so. goons, I think, because then they, yeah, because then they had. Uh, oh yeah, that's right, because then they lost the match to him, and uh, Big Rick had them literally murder B Boy. They just um, bashed his head into a into a like steel bar. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot of wrestlers died on that show. You know what? Killing wrestling characters should be normalized. We should normalize killing off wrestling characters. Wrestling's a soap opera, right? It's supposed to be a soap opera. Characters get murdered all the time in soap operas. Right, but, it, it, you know, and then if you want to bring them back, you just do what they used to do in soap operas. The part of whoever will now be played by. <laughs> yep, or you do like a, you bring them back and they're like, no. That was my evil twin, or no, I am an evil twin, or yeah. no, I actually wasn't dead. I went into double secret super hiding 
or you know, I I don't know why, but the other day I just had a flashback to the time that Kim Zimmer of Guiding Light uh, guested on an episode of Babylon Five. Oh wow, that is two deep pulls right there. Right. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Hey, uh, a, a streamer friend of mine uh, streams Stargate SG-1 on Mondays. And right. I got to tell you, Stargate SG-1 rules. <laughs> what a great show. I never actually watched too much of it. but It's uh, so I fun. Mean... It's it's so Canadian. <laughs> and it's very endearing in its Canadianness. I, You know, even when, uh, even when uh, Ben Browder and, uh, oh, God, what's her name from, uh, they were both, they were both in Farscape. I didn't. I still didn't watch. I wasn't watching it. So. Oh, which one from that was in Farscape? Oh God! Now I have to look her up. Um, was it the hot doctor or the hot military lady? I, or, I, think I she, mean, everyone's hot. I, I, I think she was in a. Uh, I, I think she was a bad guy in Stargate. In Stargate, okay. But in hmm. in Farscape, she was one of the leads. She was. Uh, she was one of the leads in Stargate. Welcome, it, it, to, welcome to Guauld Cast, the, uh, the number one Stargate <laughs> SG1 podcast. Uh, we're not talking about wrestling anymore. This is a Stargate podcast. Now. No, we're not talking about Stargate. I'm talking Farscape, brother. Far, <laughs> Claudia Black, that was her name. Claudia Black. She was Aaron's son in Stargate. Uh, oh, oh, God, Farscape. You got me screwed up now. She was Vala Mal Babylon SG Farscape. <laughs> Moving on. Let's go to Vegas. Uh, actually, let's not go to Vegas. Are you sure? Yeah, Can we move maybe, on to this goddamn thing? Like, uh, I guess maybe, we got to talk about it because it was on the show. But... Maybe, maybe we won't. Should no, we just should not go to. to Can Vegas. I ask something? Did you watching this? Did you think that I liked it? You know, you there, there were some. Like? There were some funny things in this. There were, but it was overall, it was trash. I'm gonna be real with you, man. This shit sucked. Um. Putting, I really love to watch seven unmasked wrestlers walk around a Las Vegas casino and buy drinks from a masked bartender. Um, it's a really great visual. I think it's cool, and I like it. <laughs> this shit sucked. I mean, okay, you know, the, the here's the things that work, at least in the first segment. Number one, the, the, the Everclear thing was was funny because <laughs> the writing was like okay for it sometimes yeah. and like act like mjf and jericho do have like this good fun chemistry that's like nice to see when they do stuff but again just the visual of this segment of them like philandering around vegas during covid fucking irritates me but and like the writing was very it was all very derivative and very self-indulgent like this was just chris jericho jacking himself off it felt like i oh, i it did not leave a good taste in my mouth at all uh, but also, it probably I, I, does because Jericho's diet. No, this is right. focus a joke. Chris Jericho's come, anyways. Uh, but at, at the same time, I, I, I like the fact that they, you know, they had Sammy and Ortiz continually getting shitty with, yeah, with, and, with MJF. So yeah. th 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 there was some, you know, um, you know, continuity, and also Conan. Yeah, and that stuff like wasn't the problem. And the Conan part was kind of fun, and like the everyone's oh, everyone's out there smoking on that loud pack, ha ha ha. Like that's kind of fun, right? Um, like there, yeah, there's a couple of things, but again, just the whole visual of it. And then, yeah, I thought it was really corny and just dumb. And yeah, I mean, overall, I did not like it. Okay, well, I mean, that, that's okay. You don't have to like it. it. Wasn't for me. And normally, this goofy shit is for me. This was just one that didn't land. Understood. We then go to a uh, before the commercial break. A uh, I, I don't know if this was the whole movie. Or this was a teaser. Something called "History of a Revolution," which just seemed yeah. to be um, 
AEW hyping themselves, which you yeah, know. it was like, it was a promo package, and I was to the understanding I thought this was like supposed to be a full like documentary, but was this all we got? Like, it's just this thing is a sh- is like a short. Either way, it was really well produced and really well edited and and cut together nicely, and I thought it was I thought it was good. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed to be or if this is a teaser for something, but what we saw was good. I'll take that. Like I thought it was, again, yeah, some of the best produced and edited stuff. It's by this Director X guy who I don't know much about Director X, but they uh, they do some fun stuff, I guess. Uh, but that was dope. That was dope. Ugh. Uh, just so you, uh, just so we can close this off and have some closure, uh, Claudia Black played uh, Bala Malzoran <laughs> in Stargate SG-1 after she was uh, Aaron Sun on Farscape, so... Okay, wait, what was that name in SG-1? Bala Mal Duran. Ah, shit, I don't know, man. There's so many names. Yeah, I got There's you. so many names. A lot of people have apostrophes in their names and places on Stargate. Stargate characters love to have apostrophes uh, there in were, their names. There were no, there were no apostroph- apostrophes in this game. Oh, uh, maybe there should have been an apostrophe. Maybe, maybe. that's the problem. <laughs> uh, one cool thing about I'll say about Farscape, and then we'll move on. It was the uh, Farscape had the 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 largest Muppet ever created by the Henson Studio. Oh wow! Uh, the, the, tell me about this Muppet. The character of Pilot uh, in in Farscape uh, needed five operators. If you could pick one Muppet to wrestle a full match, who would it be? Ooh, well, the Great Gonzo, of course. Yeah, I think Gonzo versus Orange Cassidy is like a big money main marquee event. Okay, yeah, either that or Sweets. Okay, yeah. Or like Gonzo versus a big guy like Wardlow. There you go. <laughs> be really into that. Here's here's something that I truly do believe. Statler and Waldorf should be at every wrestling show. <laughs> they should just be there all the time. We wouldn't even need to do this podcast. We would just be like, listen to them. Uh, <laughs> listen to Statler and Waldorf. Imagine if Statler and Waldorf were at every wrestling show you ever attended. Oh, my goodness. There's a few of those. <laughs> they would have actually improved it. Imagine Statler and Waldorf at Blackcraft. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we get a pre-tape promo uh, with John Moxley. And, uh, hey, congratulations to John Moxley and Renee Young. Folks, they're making a baby. Folks, John Moxley had sex. Congrats on the sex, John Moxley. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, congratulations. I like, I like how John Moxley came out for his promo and just recited the lyrics to I Just Had Sex by the Lonely Island. Could you imagine he'd be like, I just had sex and it felt so good. It felt really good when I did it with my penis. <laughs> this would not be the, this would not be the first lonely Island uh, reference on this show either. It doesn't surprise me. Well, when, when we, when we did the episode with the, uh, the, the, the Jericho cruise, the, the theme was I'm on a boat. So. Oh yeah, that makes sense. They were, I mean, factually correct. They were on a boat. So anyway, we'll John... be on a boat this year. It looks like because it turns out uh, Carnival suspended all their cruises till like middle of next year. I think March, uh, Mar- February, or March. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh well. No, R.I.P. No, Jericho cruise. No, no uh, Jericho cruise. Just... We're gonna miss you so much. Yeah. Too bad, man. I guess I'll have to return my deposit. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Our uh, <laughs> our second match of the evening: Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian. With uh, with Miro on commentary, uh, I'm just gonna throw it out there for for many all and sundry, so we we can put this to rest. Kip Sabian fucking sucks. Kip 
Sabian doesn't suck necessarily. He blows. This match was awful. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> I, a very good match. I, I uh, hated this. I, I thought this match was awful. There was one bright spot in this match to me, like one very glaring bright spot, and it was when Penelope Ford was like trying to run interference and had her hands up in the air, and Orange Cassidy gave her a nice little double patty cake high five. That was good. Everything. Yeah, else that was, was good. But everything. Fine. Yeah, everything else was complete trash. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a match. It's whatever. We should again. We should let them make it get back to what everyone was doing in the first place. But. But no, we're here now. Yep, we have it. So Cassidy wins with a mouse trap. Uh, Miro immediately leaves the commentary desk uh, to do a little beat down. Best friends come out, and you know the feud continues. What did you think of Miro on commentary? Uh, he he needs some work, but I mean, it was okay. I think he has a really pleasant voice. It's probably why he's such a good voice, but but I like, I like hearing him talk. So yeah, I hope he, he, I hope we hear him more and he gets the chance to grow as a commentator a little bit. Cause I think he could be a good guest commentator with the right seasoning. He he could be. Hey, did you know Claudia black was also in pitch black? Oh, I like pitch black. Uh, She was uh, Shaza in pitch black. Uh, I don't know if I remember specific characters besides uh, what, the, well, yeah, Vin Diesel. Besides Diesel. Riddick, besides Riddick, Riddick I mean, what else? Riddick, and then the and then there's like the, the the young girl character who ends up becoming like older and cool in the Chronicles of Riddick, right? Uh, yeah, I don't I think, think that was her. Like that. Yeah, that, I don't think that was her. No. So, anyway, what do you think of the third Riddick movie? Just Riddick. It was okay. I I still I still nail my my colors of the mass for uh for Pitch Black. Yeah, Pitch Black. Oh well, Pitch Black is more of a straight horror movie. Uh, in comparison to the other two that have like, a lot more I mean, like the, a- other, the other two are good, but again, the with um, as far as pitch black, I, 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 I appreciated that more because it was just so unexpected. Yeah, I think yeah. in a lot of ways. Rada Mitchell also very good. Right. Very good. Uh, yes. So then we get to the John Moxley and Kenny Omega contract signing, except we don't because apparently Mox was attacked backstage and oh. was knocked the fuck out. Yeah, and he was out like nosebleed, like we need to get him on a stabilizer. Yeah. Hey, just to circle this back before it leaves my uh, very stoned brain real quick. What about uh, uh, Vin Diesel as Riddick versus The Rock as Hobbs in a Butcher Bay match? <laughs> Just, just something to think about. <laughs> it could like get dark, and like uh, the Rock could have night vision, and and Vin Diesel can do the thing with his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> in the uh, the thing with his eyes match. <laughs> yeah, the thing, with, the thing with his eyes on a pole match. Oh God. <laughs> uh, no, Kenny in that box of gimmicks. It's a podcast. So Kenny Omega um, signs the contract anyway, and and tries to say that you know Mox is ducking Kenny, you, you know, re- you refer- referencing the, the contract though. Like it felt like he was writing a lot down there. Yeah, he did. Well, I think he had to print his name and then sign it. You know, is that what it was? Is that what you think? Cause I he, think he so. pulled the cap off the pen. He didn't want to kayfabe it. He like wanted to actually write stuff down. You know what I thought is that he was uh, maybe writing out the entire thing that Justin Roberts says for his entrance. <laughs> just like he just like has to write it out like at the beginning of like all the signatures he's like daenerys Tar- targaryen like he has to be announced everywhere and like has to do the full thing <laughs> okay all right but uh yeah either way we should still have the match on on the second i can't see why we why we won't yeah who do you think uh beat up moxley 
I think Kenny did. You think Kenny did? I think Kenny did. Oh, interesting. See, I don't think Kenny did. I, I, I think Kenny did. Okay. My guy, you think? Do you think we'll find out uh, in a timely fashion before this match? Well, I hope so because they only got like uh, one more episode of Dynamite before the match happens. So that is true. That is true. We're called winter. I mean, I, of course, I'm making Game of Thrones references because winter is coming. Yeah, that. that you think that, they're going to cease and desist from HBO before this match goes on? <laughs> Boy, I don't know. <laughs> they're going for it. I didn't, mean, we, they, didn't we talk about George R? Wasn't it last episode we talked about George R. R. Martin? Oh, absolutely. And I've been talking about it on my stream too because. Um, I was showing people my giant lore book, The Book of Ice and Fire. Uh, it's the Game of Thrones lore book. All right. We then go back to your favorite segment of the night, the part two of the Inner Circle in Vegas. And holy <laughs> Jesus, are we back? Are, 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 do we have reference Orama? This one was somehow worse than the first part. Um, no, I can tell you why it was somehow worse. It was they just literally did the hangover. They they literally did the hangover, and including just, why is there it, a toaster on the floor? There is a toaster on the floor. They did the whole Sammy Guevara as Zach Galifianakis. The I'll cut myself thing, like literally word for word, line for line, just lifted the whole script and uh, finished it off with Hornswoggle in a diaper. Yeah. So here's a funny thing that happened. I was uh, outside tending to some delicious leg of lamb on the grill. Ooh. Uh, I know it turned out great. Ooh, uh, so I was just wrapping that. No mint jelly. I should do that next time. Uh, I, was, I, I did you a gotta curry. have mint jelly with. I, I did. I lamb. did like a curry lamb with like a a curry oh. rice laugh. It was nice. It was nice. quite nice. I had a good. Uh, I had some good Indian food Friday night. Ooh man, there's just no good Indian food out here. I'd have to go to like a fucking Atlanta for that. It's just yeah. uh, anyway, I'm so Chicago. um, so wait, where was I? I was talking about this delicious leg of lamb. So yeah, so I was outside. And I come back in and I ask my girlfriend what I missed. And she was like, oh, a little person in a diaper. And I go, it wasn't Hornswoggle, was it? <laughs> she <laughs> says, I don't know. He had long hair and a lot of tattoos. I was like, oh, no, it was Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. And then I saw the picture online after. <laughs> but I, when she said little person in a diaper was in this segment, I immediately was like, oh, it was fucking Hornswoggle, wasn't it? Oh, Jesus, guys. Hornswoggle's a super nice guy, though. He's very cool. He's a funny dude. Uh, respect to Hornswoggle. Get and, the best. Uh, yeah, but, nice but then we, we transitioned to Chris Jericho at the commentary table, just straight up saying, yeah, me and uh, me and Jake Hager are going to, you know, proselytize about how the election's a fraud on next week's episode of Dynamite. Oh, wait, no. They said they were going to have a match with uh, <laughs> with uh, Daniel with the addiction. Daniel's They're a Missourian. Gonna... They're gonna stop the. Uh, they're gonna stop the steal. They're gonna stop SCU from stealing their positive results. They're not gonna sort of. Uh, it's okay because if they lose, uh, they're gonna convince the uh, AEW board not to certify the results. Yeah, that's right. Our third match of the evening. I you gu- I guarantee you they're gonna lose that match, and Jericho's gonna immediately gonna go on Twitter and go, "I won that match in all caps." Oh I yeah. Just, yeah. I said it here. Just know that I said that here. Our third match of the evening, uh, we have the Blade versus the return of Billy the Fish himself, Woo! the Bastard Pack. One one corner, one corner is in the ring. Uh this match was this was great. Uh, I, I love this it was, match. It was just really great to see Pack back in the ring, man. It's been a long time. Uh, like you never left. Fifty right? odd days, yeah. And he, I mean, no ring rust here, obviously. He was right on it. Uh, Blade gave him a really good match. 
just fun to see him, man. And ending with the shooting star instead of the black arrow that everyone was expecting, I thought was a nice touch. Well, shooting star took, into the brutalizer, yes. Into the brutalizer, but he usually does the black arrow, like black arrow onto True. the back of the brutalizer. But he doesn't do the black arrow, which I thought was a good, like, you know, classic heel. He truly is a bastard. That's right. He knows, that he knows it's what we want. And he took the extra time to set up just to make sure we all knew he was going for the black arrow and then just did the shooting star instead. Love it. Just love it. Love everything about it. But afterwards, uh, the butcher attacks pack, and then we get Eddie Kingston mouthing off. And then we get the rescue from both Ray Phoenix. Well, e. we get first we get Ray Phoenix. Yes. First we get Ray Phoenix, and we don't know where Pentagon is. We don't know what Pentagon's doing. Uh, Ray starts getting beat down, and then sure enough, here comes track pants and a hoodie bound. Pentagon Jr. He's got a chair. He's he's getting his L.A. Park on. You notice he did like the little strut in the ring. At, like he kind of. Like, I did notice. Walk, I did notice like, his that. first couple of steps. He did that. He did the little park steps a little I bit. Did, like, I eh, did notice eh. it. So just a nice subtle little nod. That was really awesome. Uh, comes in with a chair. Looks at it like he's gonna attack his brother. And then no, no, he turns and Death Triangle is back, baby. We Woo! have. They yep. play the fucking death triangle music. How yep. hard is pop when they play the death oh, triangle? Oh, like massively. Yeah. The, oh, the, the, was... the, the, we have the official return of El Triangulo de la Muerte. That should be either the open or close music of the podcast tonight, if you can, if you can get that. Uh, not tonight. Maybe another time. Okay. Maybe, maybe when we actually get El Triangulo de la Muerte back, we'll, we'll, we'll. Screaming at you like Batista. Give me what I want. <laughs> Give me what I want. <laughs> More death triangle. Yes, we want. Yes, we do want more Death Triangle. We do want more Death Triangle. This was a great way to keep them apart and bring them back together. And this feud is going to bang. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a heel versus heel feud, but even so, it's going to bang. I it, think this was. I think this is a very clear face turn for Pack. Yeah, I think so. It. Uh, this, this, if you're going to make Pack a baby face for even for a brief period of time, this is the exact way to do it. Because you know, like the thing is, people will be rooting for Death Triangle and and booing uh, Butcher Blade and Kingston just yeah. because like that. It's the way everyone's going to feel. And, like even people that like are big Eddie Kingston fans will boo Eddie Kingston out of respect. Right. Like us, we will boo Eddie Kingston. I'll out boo of Eddie respect. Kingston out of respect. You're goddamn right. We then go backstage, and uh, we have that Jade woman that I missed from last week. Um, Punkle, whom Tony Schiavone, I believe, forgot her last name when he was talking about Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jade was out there uh, smashing Brandy's arm with a chair. With a chair, while uh, Nyla and uh, Vicky Guerrero kind of run interference for her. Yeah, so I was wrong about the Nyla Vicky breakup, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that was kind of interesting there. But yeah, uh, she was. Uh, uh, Serena Deeb and Red Velvet came out to uh, to say Brandy there. Yep. So that's how, okay. So that's what that's. Uh, let's see. That's Nyla. That's Vicky. Uh, Jade, Brandy, Serena Deeb, Red Velvet. Okay. Um, I, I'm keeping count here. For, for what are we counting? Well, you, you're about to find out. After we okay. do our fourth match of the evening, uh, Serena Deeb defending the NWA Women's World Title against Thunder Rosa, who I'm very glad that she's still on AEW programming right now. I got a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. Uh, especially after this match. Uh, but uh, 
this match did rule. Uh, of Very course, good. the commercial break. They did a full commercial break, no picture in picture. So that pissed yeah. me off a little bit. A little, yeah, very unfortunate there. But yes, was a very good match. Uh, uh, a lot was... of really strong reversals, good flow there. A lot of good, like, uh, pin... oh, sorry, pin reversals. Yep. And uh, submission reversals. We had yes. some of those. Uh, and then we had an interference spot with uh, Britt Baker and Rebel. It didn't directly lead to the finish, thankfully. In the middle of the match. So, what was the point of this? Well, did you see what happened post-match? Yes, but what was the point of this? Again, I ask you, why do a run-in interference spot in the middle of a match that then does not affect the outcome of the match just to then revisit it when the attacker inexplicably returns to her seat after attacking somebody from backstage. Well, okay. There may be some Why con- after you attack somebody, would you just go sit back down at ringside? Uh, just to play innocent because it's Britt Baker and she thinks she can get right. away with it. You, what do you mean? Like she does, she think Rosa doesn't know who just like ran out and like gave her a wrestling move. Well, <laughs> But yeah, you know, the the real reason, of course, is to stoke this feud now because you know. So we we get to this ending spot where Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, you know, try to beat the shit out of each other. Right. So again, why not just have Britt interfere at the end of the match so Rosa loses and then they fight? Uh. Well, you know what? That's a good question. You know, I, I I'm gonna guess maybe because they didn't want a complete fuck finish. I guess not, but like if you're gonna have the interference spot, just do like that's a half measure to me. It just feels cowardly. It's cowardly storytelling, and it feels like it just this is like WWE shit to me when I see stuff like this. And it's kind it's the kind of stuff that has irritated mainstream wrestling fans. And I just don't see a reason like you like the story's right there in front of you. Like you're trying to outthink yourself by doing it this way. Okay, perhaps, but are you excited for a Thunder Rosa Britt Baker feud? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the matches will be fine. I just didn't think this. I I mean, you know, this is a podcast, so I'm nitpicking on purpose. (laughs) But I do think that, like, you know, with giving things like too much scrutiny is the whole point of doing a podcast about this wrestling show every week. Right. Well, I want to make that that in the diversions we go into. (laughs) Yeah. I thought you were about to say diversity, which would have been even funnier. Uh, Well, but on that note. okay, so I counted six women in the previous segment. Um, So Serena Deeb was in this segment, so we don't count her. So with Thunder Rosa, uh, Britt Baker, and uh, Rebel, that makes... Rebel Reba. Rebel Reba, that makes nine women on two different segments on in Dynamite. That is the most women featured in segments on Dynamite in a, in a you know central role in months. Yeah, wow, cool. Great job. Great job, AEW. Yeah, let, let, yeah. Maybe we should keep this up a little bit. Ooh, maybe this, you know, maybe, yeah, making it tangible, I think, is important. And, you know, one match and one segment. Uh, however, there is something exciting with the women's division we can, we're going to get to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the matches will be good. Britt Baker and Rosa will give us a good feud. So that I'm excited about. I just, the the pacing and the timing and the, the placement of these, like, uh, dusty spots in the match were weird to me. Um, is that th- that thing you were excited about in the women's division? Was that tease in this next segment in which John Silver and Anna Jay of the Dark Order reveal that Anna Jay has challenged 
Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's World Title for next week. Yes, sir. Let's go. Someone we talk about a lot on this podcast who needs to be featured more in wrestling matches on Wednesday nights. Hey, what better way to get featured than a title shot, brother? Hey, I'm with you. Uh, one question. Where the fuck has Brody Lee been? I don't know. Is he injured or something? I feel like we would have heard about it if Brody Lee was hurt, right? You think so? You would think so. I, I don't know if they're keeping him off TV on purpose after, because, like, the last time he was on was the dog collar match, right? Yeah, and he was, like, yeah, a, a bloody goddamn mess. So I guess that's an understandable way to keep him off TV until they bring him back for something big. And that's fine, too. Like John Silver's holding it down. That's for sure. He's been a lot of fun. He's been very entertaining since he's really hit his stride here. Boy, yeah, he, his promo skills have shot through the roof. Yep. The 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 weird energy he brings in contrast to his Dark Order compatriots. <laughs> yeah, uh, weird energy. That's a good way of putting it. He's got a he's got an energy about him that uh, that cuts a, a different figure <laughs> than than some of the other members of Dark Order. Uh, Anna Jay's confidence growing stronger. I like this edge to the character. Uh, so this is going to be fun. I'm really excited to see her get featured in a match with an incredible wrestler in Hikaru Shida. Uh, they've wrestled before. Sheeta won. It wasn't a super long match or anything like that. It was on AEW Dark months back. Uh, but this is a different Anna J now. You know, with someone this inexperienced, you know, a few months is a long time for for her. Uh, and she's getting a lot better really quickly and been surrounded by a lot of very, very talented wrestlers. So I'm really excited to see her in-ring improvement against Sheeta next week. Uh, okay, so before we get to uh, the main event, I'm just going to re- remind you, because you seem to have forgotten about this bake sale thing. Oh, so this was during the during this match, uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, women's championship match. Tony Schiavone plugged AEW heels. Right, okay, I remember that. Listen to AEW heels. There was a pause, and Jim Ross says, you think they got bake sale? They do bake sales over there. Oh, good lord! Mm-hmm. You know, it was a couple of yeah. He dropped a couple of Jezebels uh, during the uh, during the broadcast too. The Jezebel thing I don't get so mad about because I used to have a dog named Jezebel. So well, right, but I mean, come on, man! <laughs> it's a biblical term. It's just eh. so old. It's so dated. It's just such an old, old term. Yeah, but I mean, we we know what he's saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, if he wants, he wants to say harlot. That's what he really wants to say. Yeah, we, we know what he wants to say. Just, well, <laughs> well, you know, New like, York, well, Jim Ross. She was a whore. God. OK, so, yeah, I, yeah. The, the, he used yeah. to love saying hoes when uh, the Godfather would come out, like the way you oh, say it. Like, oh, I remember. He, he's bringing a they're bringing a hose out here. Oh, wait, are you sure you're not confusing him for uh, Lawler? Oh no, Lawler said a lot of different things. No, although and all those girls were way too old for Jerry Lawler. <laughs> what the oh, And then finally, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> our our final match of the evening, the main event: Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen versus Team Taz, uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. And I guess I missed a uh, a vignette of Darby Allen setting himself or other things on fire. It was the crow. It was just, it was the crow on a skateboard. Um, so like a bunch of like sweeping drone shots on Darby on top of a church, 
There was some brooding. There was a skateboard. He lit half of his body on fire. Uh, it was cool. It was just cool Darby Allen stuff. No, it was super reminiscent of just straight up the crow. You know, I, I, I'm unpacking all my boxes. I still have not found my copy of the, my old, old copy of the crow. Ooh, like a VHS copy of the crow. No, I'm talking the comic books. Oh, the crow comic books. Yeah. That's like, it. yeah. Like somewhere I have like the original number one from caliber comics way well, back when that came out when I was in high school. It can't rain all the time. True that, but at some point you, you can't find your books all the time either. Apparently, it's very funny that like Darby Allen is doing the Crow remake of wrestling to Sting's the Crow original of wrestling. Right. It's like the new edgy Zack Snyder Crow remake. Also, it, it's amazing how James O'Barr never really did anything else of note after he did the Crow. <laughs> Who did the Crow City of Angels? Uh, the movie. Yeah, I don't someone. No, James O'Barr was the artist and writer, the, the creator of the, the whole thing. The, he, he was the, the comic book. Thing. Yeah, he was the, the comic book guy. The whole Crow. The Crow franchise would have been, probably been a bigger deal if Brandon Lee didn't uh, mysteriously, quote-unquote, mysteriously die. Yeah. That was Folks, a damn shame. Watch out. Don't don't be Bruce Lee's son when the Chinese Mafia is around. Oh, Jesus. Uh, what did you think of this match? Um, it was all, I mean, I kind of expected this when they announced this match was going to happen and then it was the main event. I was like, this is going to be all story. This is an all storyline match. What I did really Which enjoy it was, was, I'll tell you the, my parts that were my favorite of the match was, uh, the Cody Brian cage, uh, interactions. I thought they had a really good ring chemistry in there. Like the, the parts of the match they put on, I thought were really good. Now, I, I think it's pretty obvious now that cage is going to challenge Darby Allen for that TNT title. You know, since I think at some point yeah. one of these guys is going to. Um, but yeah, no, the match was fine. It was all story. It was, you know, made specifically to get to the end, right? Yeah. Uh, which, well, t- tell us about the end. And we did get to it. So uh, Darby takes the pin, loses the match, um, which was my first surprising result there. I did not think that they were going to take the L here. Uh, but then the beatdown begins. Um, Cage and Ricky Starks are beating up Cody and Darby. When out comes big, gigantic Will Hobbs, another man for whom they do not make shirts. So there's no shirt on him because they don't they don't have any. They don't have shirts for Brian Cage and Will Hobbs. They just they're not out there, folks. The only shirts that those guys could wear would be like, you know how like those like bodybuilder guys will wear like a piece of cloth that's like been shredded up like an all cut down and just like they call it a shirt, but it's not really enough to be considered a shirt. <laughs> That's the only kind of shirt that those guys can wear. Mm. Um, but they weren't wearing them here. Will Hobbs came out, little jeans, giant chest, and uh, looked like he was going to make the save, but no. Will Hobbs has an answer for Team Taz, and the answer was yes. Yep, there we go. Will Hobbs has now joined Team Taz in a shocking betrayal of what used to be his friends, maybe. Uh, you know, they beat up Cody and Darby, and then uh, Taz went up into Cody's face and was like, don't over disrespect me, bro. And uh, There you go. Don't, dis- that, don't they, disrespect the FTW title, brother. Instead, we're just getting started. Team Taz cuts a really interesting figure now, especially with Will Hobbs. Uh, and I like building another stronger faction in AEW. I love factions. 
I love uh, stables, and I'm ho- I'm glad we're growing more of them. Yeah, well, and we have an official one too. So, who's the first woman to join Team Taz? Ooh, because I, you are aware of my rule that I I think that if you're gonna have a women's division in wrestling and you have stables, you really should have at least one woman in in your stable. You should have women in your stables. Hey, Dark Order could have two. They should just pull the trigger on Ty Conti uh, and just put Conti in there too, and they should have Ty and Anna both in Dark Order. But yeah, ooh, first woman, Layla Hirsch, legit Layla Hirsch. Okay, all right, yeah, that 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 seems something to be up right up Taz's alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has parallels to Taz as a wrestler too. Yeah, in a few, really in, a few in a few ways. Yep, she she's tiny but can throw people around a lot. <laughs> but can can she make you can can she make Shane Douglas tap out in three minutes? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. One hundred percent. All right. And with that, we end episode fifty-six of AEW Dynamite. You know, this was kind of a downer of an episode because yeah, I there was say like not a, not a top episode. This this was there. There was some really good stuff. There was it was a lot of storylining stuff, and there were some segments that just weren't there. Top Flight's thing was great. Oh, Moxley's yes. promo. We didn't talk about Moxley's promo, by the way. Moxley's promo was great. Um, and he had, oh yeah, he, yeah, his announcement that uh, he had sex uh, was very nice. But no, the promo itself was also very good, where he talked about you know learning from his dad and all that kind of stuff. It was, uh, it was classic Mox intensity. Uh, yeah, like I said, Cody and Cage, I liked. Uh, everything else was like whatever. Uh, the women's match was pretty good. Yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, the Vegas thing. I mean, there were there were some fun things in there, but eh. overall, that's the worst thing I've seen the Inner Circle do. Yeah, that's to yeah. me is the worst Inner Circle segment. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. So, uh, hey, Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. All right, uh, Twitch man, we're streaming. Uh, we have a new streaming schedule: twitch.tv slash thickflare. Uh, we're streaming weekdays, nine to eleven a.m. Eastern time, and also around four twenty p.m. until around seven or eight p.m. Eastern time every weekday. Uh, Wednesdays, we're doing the Broken Skull Challenge stuff. Still have Lucha Underground and all kinds of fun stuff in between. Um, I have some friends who work nights who have been uh, staying up in the morning to play GTA Heist with me. Uh, so all kinds of cool stuff. Check that out. Follow me on Twitter at TV, and also follow our podcast Twitter account that I promise I'll post more from again uh, at BGTD podcast. That's BGTD podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at strong style story without the E in style, which on that note um, today, Wednesday, uh, November the 18th, uh, the strong style story, new Japan blog is five years old. Happy blog anniversary, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't believe it's it's uh, been five years of me writing and talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, which indirectly led to this show. I got you this cake that had really, like, cool, like, sparklers and stuff on it, but then Kota Ibushi ate it. The sparklers, not the cake. Yeah, right. You know, that sounds like something Kota Ibushi would do, would eat, eat the sparklers. I mean, there's literally video of it, so... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, strong style story at humbler.com. If you want to read my, uh, my quasi daily ramblings about, uh, about the goings on in new Japan pro wrestling folks, read Jeff's musings. Uh, yeah. So with that, uh, this has been another episode. I know, uh, this week here on this network, um, 
the boys of Days of Thunder, uh, Dave Ryan and Sagerly Malone, are getting to the episodes of Thunder that I was actually in attendance for. Uh, oh. So that will be coming up tomorrow, and then the next episode in two weeks, I'm actually going to be guesting on that, telling my experiences from there, because there's a couple of funny things that happened there that did make air. In, in my oh. recollection, so I'm going to oh. have to, uh, yeah, uh, well, behind the scenes, folks, go go a little behind the scenes of, go go all the way back to October the eighth of 1998. Oh wow! For a two episodes taping of uh of, of WCW Thursday Night Thunder on TBS, the Superstation. So that's Superstation. So all right, uh, Paul, any final words? Uh, you know, I got nothing for you. I just ate a bunch of meat and i'm starting to get a little sleepy from it all right well on that note we'll see you next week bye everybody